TED Audio Collective. Hey, hey, it's ZigZag. I'm Anoush Zamarodi, and this is Chapter 6 of our podcast about changing the course of capitalism, journalism, and women in tech. And the time has come to get into how this experiment called civil is going to work. In Episode 2, we explain the basics of blockchain technology, how by keeping track of food or pharmaceuticals or maybe even people on a network of computers, we might be able to make our world more efficient or safer, maybe even more fair, by cutting out the middleman like banks or governments or Amazon. You've also heard that Civil is a startup that wants to use blockchain technology to save journalism. But what does that even mean? Well, blockchain, my friends, is actually just the beginning. It's time to talk tokens. Good morning. It's 3.45 in the morning. Um, I woke up about 20 minutes ago. This is Jen, up once again at an ungodly hour because her brain had something it needed to urgently tell her about making this podcast. So far, the narrative has been so much about our own risk, personally, financially, professionally. And I feel like things are going to pivot really fast. And it's keeping me up. Up until now, we have told you what has happened to me and Jen over the past several months. The very recent past, but still, the past— But right here, right now, this podcast and reality are syncing up. And when Jen says things are going to pivot really fast, she means that she and I have made a decision to truly live in the moment. We will be making no further business plans, for better or worse, until we see whether civil flies. And right now, the civil rocket is getting ready to be put on the launch pad. The official announcement where the folks from Civil reveal the details of their public launch is looming. And pretty soon, like later this summer, they're going to start selling Civil tokens to the public. These tokens are the digital currency that allegedly will power and pay for Civil's cooperative vision for journalism, a place where the news isn't fake, where people contribute productive comments, and sky-high ad revenue is not the point. But to do this, Civil needs to create its own mini-economy. And to create that economy, it's combining two heady concepts, crypto economics and game theory. Sadly, Blockchain Guitar Man couldn't be here to help us explain those things. Don't worry, he'll be back. But this time, we have something else that everyone loves. Suppose that you're going to the supermarket and you're going to buy ketchup. Yes, ketchup. Actually, no, people don't really care about ketchup. You know what they care about? Hot sauce. Let's use hot sauce for our example. We'll get to the crypto economics in a moment, but first, let's talk condiments and game theory with Stephanie Herder. I'm a partner and founding economist with Prism Group. Um, So basically, we found that a lot of blockchain projects are starting little economies. Okay, now back to hot sauce. 
With plain old standard economic theory, you'd just go to the supermarket, you'd head for the condiment aisle, you'd look at the various kinds of hot sauces. And say, okay, this is the one I like it the most, given how much it costs, I'm going to buy it. You just go and you make a choice. In a strategic game, what you find best is also going to depend on what other people on the platform are going to do. So let's apply game theory to hot sauce. Let's say I didn't want to just decide the best hot sauce for me. I wanted to create the definitive, fair and unbiased list of the best hot sauces in America. The people's list of hot sauces. I mean, I'd need to get thousands, hopefully millions of people to vote, right? But how could I get people to care as much as I do about ranking the best hot sauces? I would need something to incentivize them. Well, in the crypto world, there's a nerdy phrase for an incentive plan. It's called a token curated registry. It's basically a way to democratize making a list. In order to vote on what goes into the list, you have to have a stake in the list. So I could say to other hot sauce lovers, listen, I know you care about hot sauce, Buy hot sauce tokens. With these tokens, you can vote for your favorite hot sauce. Or you can vote another one that you think is, like, watery or not that spicy. You can vote it off the list. When someone proposes adding something to the list, the token holders will vote, and the losing side loses some or all of the money that they've staked. So they're putting token at risk, and the idea is that everyone will be incentivized Yeah, we're all incentivized by the sheer beauty of a pure list of the best hot sauce. But also, we're incentivized because we might earn more hot sauce tokens. Like in a game. So if you think about it, you need three types of players for one of these token economies to work, right? You need first the people who actually make the hot sauce, the thing that is on the list. Then you need the people who just want to read the list. They want to see which hot sauce made it. But then you have the other people, the people who want to curate the list of the best hot sauce, the people who want to have a say. Okay, stay with me here. We're going to apply our hot sauce example and game theory to our real test case, journalism. On civil... The journalists are basically the folks who make the sauce, right? They want their hot sauce slash reporting to be on the list because what they make is damn delicious and everyone should be able to know about it and consume it. Okay, and then there's that second group, the people who don't really care how the list gets made. They just want the list to be good. They just want to read or listen to good journalism on the platform. They don't buy tokens. And that's just fine. They're just there to consume the information. But then there's the third group, right? The people. Maybe you who want a say. They want to help decide which hot sauce, sorry, journalists get to be on the list. They want to keep the quality high. And so they buy hot sauce tokens or in our case, civil tokens. Civil tokens, a digital currency that only has value in civil's world, its little economy. And anyone holding a civil token potentially has serious skin in the game. Here's civil's founder, Matthew Isles. 
you'd be able to get more involved in the civil ecosystem by acquiring civil tokens yourself, which initially would grant you voting power in this ecosystem. Yeah, this is where things start feeling democratic. You'd be able to help judge and vet uh, new proposals for how the network grows. Uh, You'd be able to weigh in on whether newsrooms have violated the ethics or not. So the whole idea is that citizens and journalists, not just journalists, need to become co-owners of this platform. People making, curating, and consuming good journalism. A well-balanced ecosystem for news. I mean, it sounds great for democracy. In theory, or should I say in game theory, right? Okay, in a minute, let's start poking holes into all this. This is Zigzag. I'm Anoush Zamarodi, and now I would like to introduce you to this wonderful woman. My name is Laura Shin, and I'm the host of two crypto podcasts. One is called Unchained, and the other is called Unconfirmed. All Laura does is report on blockchain and crypto economics. She's obsessed. Completely obsessed in a way that I have never really felt about any previous area that I've covered ever. Yeah, and she has answers to some of our questions. She also knows what some of the potential problems are. So we got to start with kind of a crazy story here. Back in 2016, a group calling itself the Dow, no, not the Dow Jones, and no, not Dow, like with Buddhism, the DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization. It's catchy, right? All right, the Dow announced that it was creating one of these token economies using the Ethereum blockchain. That's the one we talked about in episode two. The idea was to be like an investment fund for startups with good ideas. People could pitch their startup to the Dow community, and if they got the votes, they'd get funding. Yeah, I do think that that was a pretty seminal event in kind of helping people recognize what the potential was in blockchains. And all the voting and transactions would happen with blockchain technology. So investors and founders could find each other more easily. They could get projects going faster. Kind of like Kickstarter, but the DAO had an initial coin offering, or ICO as it's called. And that essentially created wealth out of thin air because people were really into it. When the Dow took off, raising $150 million in a month from around the world, some people were quoted as saying that they had put their life savings into it. People really thought, hey, this is a way that I can be a venture capitalist, so I'm going to put some money into it, maybe all of my money. (laughs) Uh, Just thinking about that, I'm a little bit like, oh my God, what were you thinking? But anyway, of the top 25 crowdfunding projects ever in history, Five of them were already blockchain-based. And that was what clued me in, like, oh, wow, you know, this this is taking off really fast. Yeah, but then something bad happened. Turns out there was a bug in the code that made the deals. And somebody exploited that bug to steal $50 million from the people that had put $150 million in. This massive theft ended up creating a rift in the Ethereum community. We're not going to get into it all here, but we will put links in our newsletter this week if you are curious what happened. Anyway, 
I think it's important to note that no blockchain has ever been hacked. But token exchanges and people's wallets where they keep these virtual monies, those have been hacked. But the point of the story of the DAO is that for us, it illustrates really nicely both the good and the bad that can happen when a digital currency is created to incentivize people to join and build a network. If you joined Facebook in the early days, you would show up and be like, what can I do here? There's barely anybody here. And you would not be rewarded for joining early. Yeah, here's the good. With token economies, networks can spring up more easily. With a network that has a token at the center, people who join early get the tokens at a cheaper price, you know, presumably before there's more demand for them and the price goes up. And then later on, when more people join, they will be rewarded for having joined early simply because the tokens will be worth more. And so they were saying, hey, this is like a really great way to solve a problem that many startups have had in history, which is that they try to start a network and they have this hump to get over where they need to get people on the platform and there's no way to kind of reward them for for getting on it early. But let's not forget the bad here. Scammers, fraud. Now uh, that the space has become overrun, I think, by a lot of people that want to use this as their own personal get-rich-quick scheme and don't feel any compunction about taking money from kind of uh, from the crowd, basically, from unsophisticated investors. Okay, now something good again. I explained to Laura that Civil's idea is to incentivize people to care about good journalism, not to invest in projects that will have exit strategies and be big money makers. In that regard, I think it's a fun experiment. Like, I'm kind of excited to see, (laughs) to follow it. (laughs) But Laura says, Civil's future, it's all going to come down to the execution. I almost never, I'm trying to think of what what interviews I've done recently where it's been more consumer-facing. But I do wonder if trying to build an application this early might frankly, be too early. And I could be wrong because if you look back at the formation of the internet, obviously eBay and Amazon were quite early and they still exist today and are huge. (laughs) Um, So maybe I'm wrong. Like this might be one of those applications where indeed uh, it made sense to be early and, and being early wasn't a hindrance. But that was one question that I would probably have, like if I were to write about this. And I think in general, what we've seen uh, with the public's perception of the news and the way they interpret the news is that there's definitely a certain segment of the population that frankly doesn't really care what the truth is. They just want to believe what they want to believe. And so if you get enough of those on your platform, you could end up with this sort of crazy war where people are just using their tokens to try to perpetrate their version of the truth, which frankly is probably false. And you could just get two sides that are battling back and forth or, you know, multiple sides. And so these are all kinds of the questions I would have about whether or not civil would work. That's a good point, Laura. In fact, I think it's a crucial point What is good journalism or facts in this day and age? Is it subjective? Can we go back to hot sauce for just a minute? Sorry. Like, let's say one of the big hot sauce companies 
wanted to game the system. Let's also go back to our economist, Stephanie Herder, here. If we really do allow anyone who wants to to buy tokens so that they can vote, and you had a magnificent marketing budget, you could go buy a whole bunch of tokens and swing the way the registry works. Hmm. I don't even think it would take a magnificent marketing budget. What if there was a group of hot sauce trolls who bought up all the hot sauce tokens just to push that big company to the top of the list out of spite or to sow chaos in the hot sauce community? I mean, we want our list of condiments to have the truth. But also, there's another problem there. Doesn't that just come down to taste? A matter of opinion? Like, is it even possible to be objective about good hot sauce? What makes a good hot sauce? Or what makes good journalism? You know, you really have to think carefully about how to design a token curated registry so that the equilibrium of your big system is the outcome that you actually want. Right. Most social media platforms don't have rules that build in that equilibrium. I mean, that could be the reason that all the fake news coming out of Russia made it into many of our Facebook feeds, right? Who should be the decider? Who should decide what finally gets put on the list? Lots of situations are made easier when there's a person with expertise in charge, if there's a person with authority who can sort of guide things in the way that we want. And so we see a lot of token curated registries thinking about, all right, so do we put restrictions on who can be a voter? Or do we have a vote, but then we also have curated experts who can veto things? Or sort of, There's a lot of different innovation in the design, but it basically comes back to, um, you know, how do we set up what we call a governance system to make sure that things don't really go off the rails? Next week? This is what we believe in. This is what we stand for. And if you're going to be uncivil, then we want to hear that you agree to this too, and we're going to hold you to it. The woman in charge of making sure things don't go off the rails for civil and its token holders. And the other big question. If you build it, will people even come? And if people do decide they want to buy tokens, how will they do it? What will that process be like? Listeners, send us your questions about civil and token-curated registries or whatever else you think we need to address here. This stuff is fascinating but dense, so we don't want to make a mush by packing it all into this episode. So we're going to tease out the vital details over the next few weeks with your inquiring minds to help guide us. Record your question using your voice memo app. It's really easy. And then email it to zigzag at stableg.com. I want to thank the dozens upon dozens of people who have already emailed us. I am working through the inbox, answering each one personally. Many of you have asked how you can support our endeavor. First of all, thank you for asking. Subscribe to the podcast. Get other people to subscribe to the podcast. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, write a review. Leave us a rating. As you know, it makes a big difference in helping people discover us. You can also make a donation. You can share regular money at zigzagpod.com slash donate. Yes, the token thing will happen soon. While you're there, sign up for our weekly newsletter. It's free. And we put lots of relevant links to all the stuff that we're talking about in that newsletter and on the website. Um, okay, time to go. 
I got hungry making this show. Um, I need to go eat something spicy. Okay, this episode was produced by me and Jen Poyant. Come say hi to us on Twitter and Instagram at ZigZagPod, by the way. David Herman is our audio engineer and composer. Matt Boynton provided audio production support. Our intern is Jordan Lauf. ZigZag comes from Stable Genius Productions in partnership with Civil. We are proud members of Radiotopia from PRX. Thank you. Something happened today. Yeah, Ether and Bitcoin have basically been declared not a security by the SEC. But it seems like it's like kind of complicated in that like each one, don't drink it, we got to do cheers, hang on. <laughs> Woo, cheers. Oh my God. Oh, that, yeah. Mine's good. Yeah. Can I try yours? Yeah, but I'm sick. But it's really good. <laughs> I want to try yours, no, but I'm, I'm sick. <laughs>